0: Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, a podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're in Southeast Asia talking to author James Nyman. He's written a book called Stubborn Perseverance, and it's about multiplying movements amongst Muslims in Southeast
1: Asia. Yeah, in 1991, my wife and I and our two small children came to our present location in Southeast Asia. And our hearts were burdened because there were two large Muslim people groups that were totally unengaged. And so when we surveyed uh, the area, there were no foreigners and no local Christians reaching these groups. And we felt like, how could that be in this day and age? And so we came here and God directed us to partner with some beautiful local believers. And so we formed some teams and we did lots of trial and error. Ron and I like to see, uh, think of ourselves in terms of player coaches. And Mm so we're very much in the game and we're doing everything that we're training others to do. But a big part of our role as well is coaching. And so over the years, God developed a number of local teams that we were working with. And then in 2008, we were back in the U.S. and one of the principles of church planting movement is unflinching evaluation. And so we asked ourselves, are we seeing new churches planted? The answer was no. Are we seeing new leaders reproducing themselves? And the answer was no. And so we came back and what we did was we decided to shorten our training segments. And so instead of doing a longer training, we would do shorter, but we did it more frequently. Right. In addition, we gave them assignments and expected them to go out and do that. And so we are using Bible stories, Old Testament and New Testament, prophets and Jesus. And so we would study four stories together and then expect them to go out and find a person of peace, gather the oikos together and study those stories. The next month we would get together and we would hear their reports and then we would study four more stories. And so literally over the next two years, we went through this process. We met with three local teams every single month and what we saw is immediately with more accountability, mm. closer training, lots of role play. We saw things jump forward, um, and each of, the, each of our local partners were able to start at least one group studying these uh, Prophet and Jesus stories.
0: Okay, so it was essentially
1: the same training that you developed,
0: but bite-sized pieces and more support and accountability.
1: That's exactly right, and also what we found is that our local partners wanted to celebrate how God was doing, what God was doing through them. And so I noticed when we met with them, a large part of our time was shared, and they listened, and it helped to have someone come in and just say, "Wow, that's amazing! Doesn't that feel good? God is using you. It's hard, but you're persevering, mm-hmm. and God's using you."
0: That well, that's that's a big takeaway, I think for those of us working in different fields. So the really the approach, it's a story-based approach, but using discovery Bible study and, and resulting not just in individuals coming to faith, but, but groups forming.
1: Yeah, so over this two-year period, we were actually field testing a story set. So I had completed a, a worldview study as part of my uh, D. Man, my doctor of, of missiology. And then we did this worldview study and we field tested these stories because they wanted to find stories that would connect to their worldview so that as they studied, the Holy Spirit would use that to help them come to the point of making a decision to follow Christ. And these folk, their background is Muslim? They're Muslim, yeah. We call them folk Muslims. Okay, so
0: a lot of sort of superstition Mixed in yes. with traditional Islam. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, what What happened next? As you began to see these groups forming, what, what was the next uh, step?
1: Yes. Well, so we continued to meet with these groups and we actually pulled back from a monthly meeting with our leaders because what we saw is they needed time to meet with the leaders of the groups that they were starting. Mm-hmm. And so... We worked with the, what we call zero generation. These are believers we did not lead to follow, but who had a heart for the local people. And then when they lead someone to follow, we call that the first generation. So we made a transition. We saw that our zero generation partners needed to spend more time with the first generation. So my wife and I began to meet with them quarterly. And then the zero generation met weekly with the person they were mentoring. But we also saw that there was a need to gather the local leaders from the first generation together because they have a common background and there's there's a synergism that grows out of meeting with other people who are like-minded. So what that looks like is my wife and I would meet quarterly with the Zero Generation and then the Zero Generation would meet weekly with the individuals that they were mentoring and then we would gather monthly with all the first- and second-generation leaders so they could have that time together. Yes, it's continued to grow, as I described. And so we have a number of first-generation groups. We have a number of second-generation groups. And then we've, we've touched into third- and fourth-generation. Um, in our terminology, when they study the prophet and the Jesus stories, we call that a discovery group. And then when they come to Christ, we have a short baptism uh, study that they, they study. They're baptized, and then we consider them a church, a house church. And then we have another story set in which they learn what a healthy house church looks like. And so they look at 10 different characteristics of a healthy house church. What does long-term discipleship look like? Okay. Well, one of the things we needed to address was the folk Islam side. And so many of them have been to shaman. They have... Um, Sometimes they have curses put upon them, and so we use uh, steps for freedom in Christ. We've adapted it to our context, and so that's part of our discipleship. Uh, we also found that people have had very rough backgrounds. They come from broken homes, and so we've needed to add a, a component where we, we study uh, God's healing for them. And then as part of our worldview study, we identified character deficiencies, that we need to go to the word and see what it says. So, for instance, use of the tongue, going into debt, um, appearance, a lot of these things, uh, getting offended easily, holding grudges. These are things that you see common in the people. And so we have DBS's Discovery Bible Studies on each of these character topics. We have a family, we have freedom from fear. And so we have a, a probably two or three year. Story set. It just walks through systematically character issues and felt need issues.
0: Okay, and that's come out of your experience, I guess, some tough experience of uh, of seeing discipleship in their culture.
1: Well, what you see is needs emerge, mm. and so then we go to the Bible. We put together some DBSs that address that need. And one of the beauties about a DBS is it's not teacher driven, it's text driven. So if we give a topic, for instance, anger, and we look at a, a series of verses and we say, what do these verses teach about anger? How can you apply that into your life and how can you apply that to help other people? And so it's very reproducible, it's text centered, they go to the 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 word, they study themselves, they discuss, it's a group process. So they're discussing together and then there's accountability because they're making specific goals. I'm going to blank. And then they share, they report back when they meet the next week.
0: Mm. Now, my next question would normally be, where, where can we find out more? But the, the good news is you've you've written up these experiences and these lessons along the way out out of your 25 years, but also this very... I guess the last, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine years that have been very much more fruitful. And uh, so tell us about the book you've written. Uh, It's called, first of all, I want to ask, why did you call the book Stubborn Perseverance?
1: Okay, good question. Well, those of us in UPG ministry, it's tough Mm. and it requires a great deal of perseverance. And it's often a, a three steps forward and two steps back. And so, I wanted a title that captured that, the essence of we just have to persevere, it's difficult, but we persevere for God's glory. Mm, Okay. And um, what what was the purpose in writing the book? Well, I really had two purposes. The first is I wanted to show different ways people come to Christ. And so in the book we have a materialistic doctor, we have a imam, a religious teacher, and we use the Quran as as a way to to initially bring him to want to study the the stories. We have a type A hard-driving headmaster. We have a simple village housewife who just wants her um, husband to love her. We have a college student, and every authority figure in her life has disappointed her, and she was abused as a child and so we have your average person as well he's a school teacher and so i wanted to show different ways people come to christ because jesus is the answer for every felt need that a person can have and so i wanted to show the path that people go through to come to christ that was the first objective the second was i wanted to to teach church planning movements in story format all the stories in the book are true um, none of the characters are. They're all composite stories. And so the vast majority of the stories come from our particular ministry. There's a few stories that I've had to borrow from other ministries in our country, but they're all true in the book.
0: It's, it makes it quite a refreshing read because it's, it's both um, instructive and it's in that story format.
1: Well, that was obviously my goal. I wanted to tell a captivating story. And as someone picked up the book, they would say, wow, this is really interesting and it's fascinating. But I'm not interested in just a simple good story. I, I really do want to, to see people equipped for, for church planting movements. Hmm. And so in the story, you have three couples. They begin studying church planting movements, and then they go out and apply it. And so we learn different ways to find persons of peace, that individual that God has prepared. We use Shema. We use our personal salvation story. We use the camel method. We pray for the sick. There's a deliverance. We have a creation to Christ story, which shares the message of salvation from a shame-honor perspective. And so people see concretely how to use these methods to find a person of peace And then it shows how they gathered together the groups and what they actually did in the groups. And so you see all the questions that they use. You see the interactions within the groups. But I didn't want to show just everything as perfect and easy. And so I wanted to show the messiness of what life is like. So the initial church planting team, they experience conflict on their team, and it's really petty, but it gets blown out of proportion, and they have to forgive each other, they experience spiritual warfare, they're overcome by fear. And so I wanted to have a realistic book about what life is really like. The the book is actually built around the critical elements of church planting movements, and so Embedded within each chapter is one or more principles when we talk about church planting movements. And so at the end of each chapter, there are, there are discussion questions that review those principles. So we want people to go back and see them illustrated and then discuss how can they, they can apply that into their own ministries.
0: Hmm.
1: Let me define some terms. I use disciple-making movements, or DMM, and church planting movements. Many people say disciple-making movements leads to church-planning movements. So what we're saying is these are biblical principles that you go to the Gospels and you see Jesus teaching and modeling his disciples, and then you go to the book of Acts and you see them applying those with wondrous results. So if they're truly biblical, then they should be applied in every context. Now, some of the specific applications will be will vary from place to place, but in terms of looking for a person of peace, gathering the oikos together, directing them to uh, read and apply, these are biblical absolutes. Now, what might be specific to a context are the the various stories that you choose to fit the uh, the worldview of the target people. And so, we wrote out of our experience, and our experience is reaching Muslims. But we've had people pick up the book and they've said, well, I can use this with my neighbor. I can use this with my office mate. I can use this with refugees or international students. And so yeah, our hope is that people will see the the process and say, I can do this. And so, yes, we hope that be, there will be a, a new army of people that will be raised up and be thrust that into the harvest. There's so much to be done. And I think we're in the end times, and I think there's a final push going on. And so I hope this book is a call to get involved, cross the street, talk to your neighbor, walk across the hall and talk to your office mate, get involved with inner city or with refugees or international students, or go. There are so many needs among the unreached today that we need more workers, so hopefully this book will inspire people to get involved.
0: Oh, that's excellent, James. And now it'd be great to refer people to, um, you know, the website, which is uh, stubbornperseverance.org. And they can find out more about the book. They can also get in touch if they have any questions. And uh, let's also mention those who are wanting to get involved and even thinking of um, Uh, serving overseas, Um, we can direct them to to the Act Beyond, the mission agency that you're, you're very happy to recommend.
1: Yes, we're members of Act Beyond and Act Beyond focuses on unreached people groups and we do a CPM DMM ministry. And so we're very exclusive in what we do but we partner with all different kinds of ministries. So we invite people who are like-minded to come and join us and so we would love to see people who are interested to make application to act beyond That's beyond.org and begin the dialogue with our recruitment staff